for the Lord's Supper, Ryan spoke about Jesus being the, the light, and the light came into the world. And he did his thing on the cross for us. Wonderful, his, his light shined brighter than ever when he sacrificed himself. And then when he rose from the grave, glorious light uh, was shining then. Then he went back to heaven. So now where's the light? You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We have the light of Christ within us, and we are to shine that light. The lesson that we have today is how we can shine our light. Last week we had this sermon uh, made, for me, it was kind of a technical sermon, right? It was theological in nature, and it was a discussion pertaining to what we read about in the, the Bible, these wonderful miracles that the early church did. Christians had the Spirit in an amazing way, and they were able to prophesy. They were able to speak in tongues. Someone else was able to interpret the tongues, the languages that they spoke in. They were able to put their hands on people and heal them. They were able to do these miraculous things. And those miraculous things served their purpose, and that is clearly established that the purpose of the miracles is to, uh, to confirm the message. Confirm the messenger, therefore confirm, confirm the message. Establish the message of Christ. And as 1 Corinthians, where we've been studying... Chapter 13, the great chapter of love, in the midst of that great chapter on love, it tells us that those miraculous gifts will pass away. I believe we know that they have, according to a good look at Scripture. But that is not to say that our gifts are done, that we have no gifts. And in fact, I would contend that we have the wonderful gift the light within us can shine forth in a great way, and that is true for every person. Every Christian, everyone who is a part of the body of Christ has an opportunity to shine the light of Christ in their particular way. The Spirit has blessed us and is alive and well in each one of us, and God has appointed everyone in the church with a gift or gifts to use for the common good. Jesus had many gifts that he used that were, uh, he did wonderful miracles, true. But he had wonderful gifts that we can emulate still today, and we need to do so. The miraculous gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10 they have passed us away, but the non-miraculous gifts remain. A couple of years ago, we had a seminar here. I believe it was all the way back in 2016. I have uh, videos from that man who uh, Doug Hamilton came and led the spiritual giftedness seminar. And here are videos by him. If you're stirred by the lesson today and you want to uh, view these videos, they are available. You let me know. Uh, we also have uh, books and workbooks. I, I have one extra workbook, 
which I love the content of it because it's so concise, uh, and you can use it and write in it and that kind of thing. So again, if you're spurred on by the content today, I would encourage you with these things. And uh, the quick overview that I'm going to give you today is just just kind of a little uh, little reminder to those of us who participated in that seminar. And for the rest of us who weren't here for that seminar, I, I hope you'll consider what is your gift or your gifts that you're really good at and try to develop those gifts, gifts in an even greater way. And I will also say, even before I start talking about these gifts, I'm going to highlight the fact that I think there are some gifts that we are just naturally uh, predisposed to, that God has made us to do well at these. One or two particular gifts that we're good at. But I will say this, Jesus was good at them all. He was perfect at every one of these gifts that we're going to look at. And as each one of us are growing in Christ, we can all mature and be, be good stewards of each one of these gifts. You can be talented in each one of these ways. So now let's continue these, continue to look at these, and we are going to go to Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians, where we've been studying, highlighted the miraculous gifts, and it really highlighted the fact that, uh, hey, church in Corinth, you're really messing up with all these gifts you're supposed to be, they're supposed to be working together to make you strong, to make you healthy, but instead it was dividing the church, the way they were using their gifts. So we can't go to Corinthians for the use of our gifts because it was talking about the miraculous gifts. But we go to Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And the gifts begin uh, to be mentioned on down in verse number 6. There's one thing that I don't have listed in, uh, on my paper here. Uh, but I do want to highlight one other interesting fact as we get ready to get into this. Here is a list of gifts, and I'm, I'm introducing them to you as non-miraculous gifts. And as you look in verse 6, it says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, each of us, uh, given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. These are listed as gifts that we can use to honor God. I believe, though, I believe that each one of them listed here is a non-miraculous gift. These are all gifts that we can have. And there is proof of that, and it was evidenced by um, Doug Hamilton. And it is that if you go back to Romans chapter 1, here is the proof that these are non-miraculous gifts. Because in Romans chapter 1, we went here last week. We spent a little bit of time here to show, to remind, because I was like, hey, folks, look what I discovered. Jerry and I were talking about this. You remember me saying this? Comparing Romans 1 with 1 Corinthians 1, one group Paul had been to and laid his hands on them. That's how they got their miraculous gifts. Romans 
is written to a group of people where Paul had not been to, had not been able to lay his hands upon them, and he wanted to go to them to impart to them some gift. So let me read through this. Um, Verse number 9. For God, I'm in Romans chapter 1, verse 9. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of this gospel of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request, if perhaps, now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you, while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both by yours and mine. He's, he wants to go to them. He wants to impart a spiritual gift to them. He wants to, in other words, I hear that as he wants to lay his hands upon them and give them a gift of the Spirit. They didn't have miraculous gifts when they were converted to Christ. Somebody has taught them, but it wasn't an apostle. It wasn't one of the twelve. And um, remember last week, I was, I was so, uh, I was like, wow, this is neat. I'd never l- learned this before. The, d- the comparison of Romans 1 with uh, 1 Corinthians 1. And turns out, Uh, It's basically right in this book. (laughs) I did learn it before, but I'd forgotten it. Doug Hamilton talks about it when he's discussing Romans chapter 12. And you can start to turn back there to Romans chapter 12. He says that this is clearly, uh, and this this could take a little bit of study for you to catch up to what we're, if you've never looked and considered this before. These gifts mentioned, starting in verse 6, these are non-miraculous gifts because they didn't have any miraculous gifts. No apostle had been there to Rome to impart miraculous gifts to them. That's why Paul said he wanted to go. They did have gifts, though. Just not the miraculous gifts, the workings of the Spirit in a miraculous way. So, number one, Mentioned, and by the way, the context here, and we read this as part of our scripture reading, this is all to build up the church. This is the church, each one of us playing our part. We're all part of the body. Every one of us has a different gift that we're really good at, and so we can contribute to the church. And we can do more than just contribute to the building up of the church. We can can help use our gift to share the gospel with those around us. We can be the light to the world. So just mentioning this here as it talks about the different gifts. First one mentioned is prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. So one of the areas of giftedness is a prophet. There might be people sitting among us who would say, I identify with this idea of being a prophet. And note, I want to say here real Quick and simply, this is not a miraculous, like you hear God, you hear his voice, and then you share that message with somebody else. No, it is understanding God's word. We do hear God, but through his message, and we want to convey that message to someone else. 
A prophet is someone who is willing to speak for God, who knows the truth and is willing to share it with others, even if it doesn't align with what they believe. Prophets are willing, just like the prophets in the Old Testament, the prophets who had God speak to them, then would go to the people and to the people, the authorities, and they would say, you're doing wrong. You need to change or God is going to be done with you. That is what a prophet does. A prophet knows the truth and is willing to share it with others, even when it's hard, even when it's not easy. Now notice, I get up here and all I do is preach from the Word of God. I don't tell stories. I'm not good at it, right? But I tell you what, the idea of being a prophet, that doesn't align very well with me because I'm one who tends to give mercy to people. I want to tell people what makes them feel good. And so, notice, every, and every gift is going to have its kind of its downside to its little danger, where if I'm, if I'm not mature as a mercy giver, as a mercy giver, if I go to somebody and offer them mercy, and mercy is uh, listed the last one in verse number eight, last one mentioned, mercy giver. If I go to somebody, oh, I feel bad for you, you're going through a hard time, that's a mercy giver. Oh, I really, I, that hurts, you know. What can I do to help? You know, that's a mercy giver. But I sometimes I need to evoke a little bit of the prophet side, which I am not prone to. I'm not naturally gifted at telling somebody, you know what? You got yourself into this mess and you need to take responsibility for it because God says, point to a verse. So. They're all different gifts. They're all different gifts. A prophet is somebody who's willing to go to somebody and say, here's the truth of God's word. Will you obey it? So a prophet, willing to speak for God, willing to confront others with the truth. Second in this list from Romans chapter 12, and these are, I'm going to go through these quickly. I'm not going to stop at them all, but I do want to illustrate the idea of mature Using your gift in a mature way versus an immature way. I highlight that with myself as a mercy giver. The, the book goes into great detail about how we can be mature and use, use our gifts in a mature way and how we can mess up and not use our gifts in a mature way. So let's not be immature. Let's use our gifts in a great way. All right, number two was servant. And this is just like it says, you know, it says, if service in is serving. You know, here's your gift. If you love to serve people, if you always are putting others first, it's not always easy for some of us, but some of us, that's all we do. Those are the servants, they're like always putting somebody else first. They're always, no, let me get that. No, here, I, I can do that. Um, so that's the idea of a servant. Servants are ones who love to help others. Verse numbers, that was verse number seven, and then it mentions teaches, one who teaches in his teaching. So here's another gift as a, as a teacher, somebody who loves to study, loves to learn, loves to then share what they learn, and they're able to share that in wonderful and wise ways. And it might be uh, the very word of God itself, or it might be something related to scripture, scripture or 
teaching others how to live right and do right. If somebody has messed up in their life, it's coming along and sharing with them and teaching them how to fix their situation. A teacher studies, learns, and shares that information. The next on the list is the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Here is an encourager, um, and I, the word that was used in the Greek there is like somebody who comes alongside of someone else. They're coming together. They're with that person. They want to help that person. They want to encourage, come alongside everybody, want to see, see everybody succeed and do well in the church. An encourager lifts up others tends to look at the positive and focus on that in their lives and in the lives of others. The next one mentioned is he who gives with liberality. Uh, it was interesting in the, the notes I was noticing today, I, I didn't remember this, but like giving is one of the least, um, just in, in general, in the general population, givers. There are not a lot of givers. Our church is blessed with givers. It's one of our strengths. We love to give if somebody has a need of something. If there is a, a charitable need that's out there, the church wants to give and people give and they're willing to give. And this is monetarily, uh, perhaps along similar to what, what this would be, maybe giving of time too. But that's more of a servant than somebody who gives time. So these all, they, some of them overlap a little bit. They're very related. But a giver is able to give of their means to help others. They're very benevolent. Number six, the sixth one mentioned, is he who leads with diligence, a leader. Now, this was one where I think uh, Doug Hamilton, when he went into this, he went into that. He looked at the, he looked at the Greek words on all of them. This one was significant because he was talking about um, a leader. It's like it, it, the word is used in relationship to the elders and deacons in terms of how they, they lead their home. And your translations might have how they manage their home. The leader is one who manages and administrates. They're good organizers. They can kind of see, uh, they're visionaries that can kind of see how things should be. And then some people who are good administrators get us to where, keep things organized so that we can get to be and, and be organized so that we can uh, be the light that God wants us to be. Um, so that is a leader. They're good at administration or management. Uh, they provide vision and organization for the church. Number seven is a mercy giver. Uh, mercy givers are ones who show compassion. They're filled with empathy towards others. They can listen and uh, they can come alongside people and just know that those people can know that they're there for them. That's the way that they encourage so those are the ones listed in Romans chapter 12. And if we turn to Ephesians chapter 4 now, I want to mention these other gifts. And as we, we've gone through a few of these already, I, uh, I hope that maybe you're thinking about, well, what's my gift? And keep that in mind. Do one of these uh, gift areas of giftedness, one of these descriptions of people, do they describe me? Because in the church... It, scripture says you're going to have at least one of these gifts. You might say, hey, this one or that one. You might look at some and say, oh, no, that is not me. I'm not like that. 
But here are a few more added from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let me go ahead and read verse verse 10 uh, with it, because this is this is describing Jesus. Uh, he came down here to the lower parts of the earth, and verse 10 says, He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens. This is about Jesus going back to heaven so that he might fill all things. So there's this wonderful way in which Jesus going back to heaven is what allows him to, well, it says fill all things. I think that's kind of fill us too. It's, a, it's he, he is gone. We're not relying upon him to shine the light anymore. We have the light within us, so we need to go out and do our job. That's how he's completing all things. His mission is going to be complete through us. Verse 11, and he gave some, um, and by the, this is in terms of the idea of gifts. It's mentioned in verse 8, the gifts that he gave to men. Verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So here is the building up of the body of Christ. These gifts are given so we can use our gifts. If we're not using our gifts, the body is not going to grow and mature as a whole. So we've got to be very careful and take this idea of our gifts are not done. Each one of us has a gift. We need to put it to use. So the gifts that are added in this verse, the first one mentioned is apostles. Now there are the 12 apostles, right? There were the 12 that Jesus chose, that they were the apostles, they were going to be the ones sent, and they were actually the ones that were speaking of miraculous gifts. They could do great miracles, and they were able to put their hands on others who became Christians and give them the ability to work gift, miraculous gifts also. But they died and they're gone. There's nobody else to lay hands on people. The twelve are gone. But is there any way that this, this could be referring to other gifts that are non-miraculous? This is not a reference to the twelve apostles. This is a reference to one's sent. And there are still people, and Doug Hamilton makes a great case for this uh, in his writings and probably in the videos if you want to watch. There are still ones who are sent. We still send missionaries. Ones who are sent with the message to a group of people. The 12 apostles, they were ones sent into the whole, they said, go into, Jesus told them, go into the whole world. Take the gospel everywhere. And so they were ones sent. And now we carry on that same mission. We still are ones sent. So one sent is a missionary who wants to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And there are other places where the term apostle or messenger is used in scripture that is not a reference to the twelve. Got to be careful with this teaching and that word. Be very careful. But I think it is very safe to say this is one of those places where it does refer to just one cent, not necessarily the 12 apostles. The next one that's mentioned, so he says he gave some as apostles, some as prophets. We've already talked about that. Some people who are willing to speak the word of God, no matter what. 
And some as evangelist. This is a new one. So this is number nine in our list. These are the people who have a passion for sharing the good news of Jesus. Everywhere they go, they want to tell somebody about Jesus. They're not necessarily going to a foreign land. They're not ones sent to some other location. But they are ones who are sharing the good news of Jesus. Uh, an evangelist, that word, uh, is, a, is a good newser. It's somebody who shares the good news. They tell others about Jesus. Uh, next in our list, it says, and some as pastors and teachers. So teachers is the one we've already mentioned, but this one is pastors. Here's the word for a shepherd. Somebody who is watching over a flock. Now note, this is another one of those words we have to be careful with because there are specific places in Scripture where there is an office of a pastor. Those are the elders who are appointed by a church, and they are overseeing the entire church. So there is an office of eldership, just as there was kind of an office of apostleship, the twelve. But here we have the pastors. These are people, they're not in the office of eldership, but this could be men or women who desire to nurture and protect the congregation. They want to make sure everybody's safe, everybody's welcome. Maybe they're, um, maybe they're listening to this uh, sermon right now and they're thinking, That's, I, I want everybody involved in these spiritual gifts because I want everybody to grow. I want everybody to learn. Whereas a prophet might be sitting out there saying, this is a weird way of thinking about this particular verse. I think I need to investigate this. And if there's an issue with it, I'm going to go to Brother Eric and we're going to talk about it. A mercy giver is out there just saying, can we be done with this sermon? Because I've got some mercy to go show to somebody, you know, or a servant, you know. So and we're all different. We have different gifts. I think we can be great at all of them. I think we can be very good at all of them. And we, as we grow and mature into the very image of Christ, we should make it our goal to be good at all of these. So, but the easy thing to do and the first and foremost thing to do is figure out, hey, what am I good at? And then use that gift to the building up of the body of Christ. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of Service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We all need to be growing. We've got to use our gifts. We've got to know our gifts. Put them to use in the kingdom. So that we each one can grow and mature in Christ and contribute to helping Others grow and mature in Christ and also use that gift for evangelism so we can bring in the lost. Because here's the other thing. I don't remember Doug talking about this, uh, Brother Hamilton, but I believe that every person out there in the world who is, who is sinning and lost, that they also, God has got a gift that he's already given to them. To them and they're using it for unglorious things. They're using those, those gifts for sinful things, but we need to bring them in to the kingdom of God. So they can use those gifts to build up the church and bring glory to God. So what is your gift? Uh, number one, you can take a test. And it is found at www.findmyspiritualgift.com. It is still active. Many of you have done that. If you want to use that, you can. It's a very simple test. 
You're just kind of uh, rating yourself to particular questions. Would you rather do this or this? Or, you know, it's, got, it's an interesting, well-done test, kind of like personality tests. If you've ever done a personality test, you're going to be like, oh, I know where he got this idea. So number two, uh, what do you think? Here's the list. I've been up here talking about these things. What do you think? Which one do you think is your gift? That is an important part of figuring out what your gift is. And then the other part is some, find somebody who knows you well and ask them what they think your gift is. What do you think I'm good at? What do you think I'm good at? Number four, uh, the question is asked here, what quality do you like most about Jesus? Think about the story that you like most about Jesus. Or maybe there's just another passage in Scripture that you find, this is, this is the Scripture you connect with most. And you think about what you like about Scripture or what you like about Jesus, and you'll probably see that it's related to one of these spiritual gifts. What ministries do you like most? A lot of you have been in church for a long time, been doing a lot of different things. How do you like to serve in the church? And the church wants to, and I'm... Uh, I'm not a number six. I'm not a leader, an administrator, organizer, manager. So I'm not really good at plugging people into doing things that are good for them to develop their spiritual gift. But that's what the church, that's what we need to be doing. So we haven't always done that well, but we, we can try and help. If you want to know how to use your gift, just, you can look... Read this, you can, do, or you can listen to the messages, you can go through the scriptures again, you can take that test, and there's a lot of the workbooks, there's a lot of stuff that you can look at. And we'd be happy to help you discover your gift. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. Jesus talks about there was a man who went away on a journey and left his servants in charge of some money. And some of them went out and they put that money to work. Those were talents. Each, uh, each piece of each coin was a talent. So some of them put it to work. They did something with it. But there was the one guy who went and buried it. Didn't even put it in the bank to draw interest. He didn't use his talent. It's very indicative of the fact that we have got gifts Talents and abilities that Jesus has given to us to use for his kingdom. To use to bring glory in him, to make, to have increase. To put to work, to bear fruit in the kingdom. So we need to put our gifts to work. And if we bury them, we don't use our gifts. There will be a day that he will... We'll be anxious to hear the, the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And those words will not be offered if we have not used our gifts. So I encourage you, if you, uh, I encourage you with this. There's, there's nobody that's here that's unuseful, that's not fit for the kingdom. God has given you gifts that you can use to bring glory to him. You can have purpose and meaning in your life if you give your life to Jesus and start using the gifts that you have to shine the light in the world. That's a wonderful, hopeful message during uh, the dark days of winter. We have an opportunity to be the light. 
So if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus today so you can shine the light of Christ in your life, you're welcome to give your life to him today. Won't you please come as we stand together and sing?